Welcome to Anchored in the Word. I'm Jonathan from Reservoir Church. You can join us online at reservoir.church or anytime you're in Southern California, we'd love to have you visit us on a Sunday morning in Escondido. And you can find more information on the web as well for that. Today we are turning to Numbers chapter 13 and 14. And don't worry, I'm not going to read the whole text to you. You probably know the story if you've been around the Bible uh, for any length of time. This is obviously God's people in the wilderness on their way to the promised land. And we've just come out of some chapters of some rebellion and correction. Israel has uh, disliked the timing, the type of food they're having, the leadership they've been given, because they're not seeing things rightly. And God corrects them, and then there's some repentance and some movement forward. And where we last left off, they were on the edge of the wilderness of Paran, which is right at the border of what is the promised land, where they are to move in. And so in our chapters today, God tells Moses to send spies into the land to survey the land so they will know what they will face when they enter it and what they will receive when they take the land. And so 12 men are chosen leaders of their tribes, a representative swath of the whole of Israel, and they go into the land. And it is abundant. It is wonderful. And all of the spies, all of the men who have gone to scope out the land see the exact same thing. And they come to this place. They go all the way to the north of the border of what will be the promised land and all the way back down. They don't have any trouble. Nobody harasses them. They see big cities and fortified walls, and lots of other people, people that they will surely have to conquer to inherit the land. Then on their way back down, they come through the Valley of Eshkal, which is the Valley of Clusters, and they cut this grape cluster from a branch, and it's large enough and abundant enough it takes two of them to carry it on a pole. And they bring that back, show it to Moses and Aaron and the congregation, and give the report. The challenge is that they all say, yes, this is a land flowing with milk and honey. There's abundant fruit. However, there are lots of other people and lots of strong cities. And to them, we are like mere grasshoppers. They're big people. They're strong people. How can we, Israel, take this land? So the people end up rebelling again and saying, no, we're not, we're not going to go. This is too dangerous. Why would God lead us into the wilderness to have us die in a land that he's promised us? We might as well pick a new leader and go back to Egypt. Like it, it's terrible thinking. We can recognize it ourselves. Uh, but the truth is we should see our reflection in their face. Because in Christ now, we're called to live by faith, to move into those places of promise. Yet there's things that hold us back. It's idolatry, the fear of failure, of wanting to look a certain way or be received a certain way. And we come up short in living how we are called. But in this story, there's some tremendous hope for us because there are two faithful spies, Joshua, who will eventually lead the people, and Caleb, who will become the high priest as well. And Caleb and Joshua have torn their clothes, grieving as the people have rebelled. And they cry out to the people. And this is what they've said. 
The land which we pass through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from the Lord and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Now, I wish I could tell you that the people heard that and said, yes, let's go. God has favor on us. He's brought us out of slavery. He's fed us in the wilderness all these years already. But they reject him. They want to stone Moses, Aaron, and Caleb, and Joshua. Moses intercedes. God doesn't scorch the people. But he does say this generation doesn't get the land. This generation, incapable of living by faith, accepting the promise that God has given, will miss it because they failed to see God in the mix. All they saw was themselves, what they had to do. They didn't realize the one who created all things, who is all-powerful in the cosmos, had called them to this place. But Caleb and Joshua saw that. We're to live like Caleb and Joshua, but not in such a way that this guilts us that we don't live enough by faith. Because there was another, when we fail, when we miss the point of living by faith, when we're not as bold as we've been called to be, we have an advocate in another who actually went to a garden himself, a place of fruitfulness and abundance, and saw giants. Think of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He calls his friends to go with him to essentially spy out or pray before the Lord and seek his face before certainly trial would come. They all fall asleep, but Jesus prays like, I don't want to do this, but if this is the only way, Father, your will be done. Gets to be our posture now because Jesus saw the giants of uh, torture, death, and that sense of separation from the Father. Because he experienced that, we are given new life, righteousness, and the gift of faith in him so that now we can live chasing after the promise God has given us without regard to what giants are in the land. Because of Jesus, because of the truth of the gospel, his finished work on the cross, we can say with Caleb, God has had favor on us. Surely his promise has come. So today, repent of those places in which you have not lived by faith and ask for help. Ask the Holy Spirit to empower you to step out with courage and faith to do what God has called you to do, that Christ would be glorified, that you would be refreshed and experience his promise today. I'm Jonathan, and together we are anchored in the word.